the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Hello, everybody. Ron Geyer back with more End Time Insights. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. I believe today is the beginning of a new year. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I pray that you will come to know God through Jesus more than ever. This will be the best year of your life. Uh, That may include persecutions and trials that you're going to go through, but go through them you will, and you will go through them with the Lord Jesus Christ at your side, the Holy Spirit leading you and guiding you inside. Amen. We started a series last week. We're going to talk about Matthew 24. I had wanted to get us into the millennial kingdom and show you our responsibilities, our privileges. I just wanted to show you what the church was going to be looking like in the millennial reign of Christ. And yet God backed me up and said, not so quickly. So I wanted to make sure we got there first. And so uh, he took me over to Matthew 24, a very prophetic chapter. I love it. It's exciting. It's great. It's just full of great insight that we need to have. A quick review. This is good. This is the second session, and it's the first week in 2023. That's going to help me with my documentation on my computer. It makes it simple. So hallelujah. A quick review. Uh, Don't forget, this is a very prophetic chapter. I think we only talked about the first four verses last week. So I remember telling you guys that you must read the last three verses in Matthew 23 in order to understand what's going on in Matthew 24. So let me quickly read those to you. Matthew 23, verses 37, 38, and 39. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathers together her chickens under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate, for I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth, till you shall say, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. So here, Jesus has turned his back on the Jews. He's just denounced the leadership of the Jews of that nation for Israel because they rejected him. And basically, he has been rejected for the last time. He leaves. He walks out over into Matthew 24, verse 1. And Jesus went out, and he departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And so we see there that Jesus walked away. He left. Matter of fact, he went out. He took the glory with him, the Shekinah glory of God. And this is the end of his public ministry. He will never preach publicly again. Henceforth, he will just be training the disciples, getting them ready to understand his death what's about to happen to him, the penalties for their sin, and the sacrifice he is going to pay for it. 
So Jesus went out and he left the temple. The Shekinah glory of God went with him. And his disciples wanted to know what's coming. So they said, Jesus, Jesus. And they went to show him the buildings of the temple. They could tell he was upset and they couldn't understand. How can you leave this fantastic place, this beautiful place, this wonderful building? And so Jesus is just telling them, look, guys, your house is left unto you desolate. You know, he is gone. No longer does the glory of God abide in the temple. Jesus would never go back into the temple. And the disciples are just trying to get him. Well, 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 look at this building. Look at this fabulous building. I mean, what, what could be better than this, Lord? And so Jesus is going to go ahead. He's going to tell them. See not all these things in verse 2. Truly I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. The message translation says, Jesus then left the temple. As he walked away, his disciples pointed out how very impressive the temple architecture was. Jesus said, you're not impressed by all the sheer size, are you? The truth of the matter is that there's not one stone in that building that is not going to end up in a pile of rubble. And he's really wiping out the disciples. They can't understand how this could happen. You know, the temple was the center of Jewish worship. It was the center of the Jewish life. Verse 3, Jesus says, And as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, so understand they left the temple, Jesus climbed the Mount of Olives, and they followed him up there. And Jesus is sitting there at the highest spot. It gives a beautiful panoramic view of the city of Jerusalem and the temple. And so as he's sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and they said, tell us, when will these things happen and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So there's either two or three questions in there. I think there's two, but it's really not important. Number one, tell us when these things will happen, what things will happen. Tell us when the temple is going to be destroyed and tell us what will be the sign of your coming and what will be the sign of the end of the age. And so Jesus just is trying to get them to understand that there's a huge gap between the destruction of the temple, which is going to happen in A.D. 70, uh, just a mere 40 years later. And there's a huge gap between that and the end times when he does come back. They don't understand that. They're thinking he's coming to set up the, the kingdom, the millennial kingdom right now. And Jesus is telling them, well, no. So... Basically, he answers the second question first in verse 4. He says, Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. So what he's going to do, he wants to give them a warning. And he's letting them know that, look, I'm going to talk about the end times, but it's important that you do not let any man deceive you. He doesn't blame Satan. He doesn't say it's a spiritual deception. He goes, man is going to make the attempt to deceive you. And basically, verses 4 and then 5 and 6 and 7 and 8, 5, 6, 7 and 8, they all go together. Uh, they're all going to address a certain issue, and Jesus wants them to understand, but he gives them that, uh, that warning up front, do not be deceived, do not let any man trick you. It's so important. Pay attention to what I'm saying. And then in verse 5, verse 5, 6, 7 and 8, they go together. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am the Messiah. And they shall deceive many. This is very interesting. You know, uh, Wikipedia lists 27 different people in the last 200 years who have claimed to stand in the role of Jesus. Some are names that we would recognize from the news headlines. Sung Myung Moon, uh, Jim Jones, um, 
Buddha, Vladimir Lenin, Father Divine, uh, Marshall Applewhite, claimed to be Jesus, the Son of God, prior to leading his Heaven's Gate cult into mass suicide. David Koresh, leader of the Branch Davidian. I mean, I could go on and on and on. And when I researched it, I find that there's more than 27. There's actually over 40, 42 to be exact, who have claimed some type of association with the title of Messiah. Basically, that means a false Messiah comes along about every five years or so. And Jesus said, don't let anybody mislead you, deceive you. The word there, Greek word is planeo, and it comes from the Greek uh, root word plane, and it describes a wandering, and it really means planet, because that's what we were taught about planets. They are wandering bodies in the sky. Planet, that's what planet means, a wandering body. And so Jesus is telling them, don't let anybody cause you to wander from the place of safety. The idea is that the outside influence which will cause you to wander from the place of safety is deception, and that leads you down the wrong path. So notice that the very first thing Jesus does before he gets into explaining to them about the last days, the end times, about what's coming, the return, the very first thing he does, he answers them, you must not let anyone deceive you. Verse 3, he warns them. Verse 4, he warns them. How credible is this warning from Jesus? Well, it's Jesus talking, so we know that it's real. But how dangerous is this actual threat going to be? People claiming to be God, the Messiah? According to the paragraph above, it happens worldwide fairly consistency, and unfortunately, it usually works because Jesus said we would lose many. There's many more specific warnings that are going to follow, but I believe Jesus starts here because the Jews, remember, they were susceptible to a false Messiah. They waited and waited and waited for Jesus. They didn't understand the aspect of his coming. He was not coming as their savior. He was coming as their lamb. He was not coming as the lion. He was coming as the lamb. And they were waiting for him to free them from the burdensome rule of the first the Egyptians and then the Romans. They were under the oppressive rule of the Romans. And he's already allowed the Holy Spirit to reveal him that he is the Messiah. And now the disciples, they've got to digest the truth, the news, that this isn't the time when he will restore the kingdom. That's shocking to them. That's why his claim to being the Messiah was so, it threw them off. They didn't realize it was the second coming when he would return as a conquering king. He had to come first as the sacrificial lamb. And that put in doubt, that put in doubt that his claim to being the Messiah was actually true. But they were deceived once again. You know, the Jews have often been led astray by false prophets and false Christ, which is one of the reasons Jesus gave him such a warning. The rider on the white horse in Revelation chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, he's the Antichrist, that final world dictator who will lead the nations astray. He will begin his career as a peacemaker, signing a covenant with Israel to protect her from her enemies in Daniel 9.27. Israel is going to welcome this man as their great benefactor. John 5:43 in the Amplified talks about the fact that Jesus says, I have come in my own name and my Father's name, and I've come with his power, and you do not receive me. Your hearts are not open to me. You give me no welcome. But if another comes in his own name and his own power and with no other authority but himself, you will receive him and you will give him your approval. 
Matter of fact, the very first person to claim that he was Jesus, he was the Messiah, his name was Bar Kokhba, and he had led a revolt about 100 years after Christ. And he led the third and final war between the Jewish people and the Roman Empire. It followed a long period of tension and violence marked by the first Jewish uprising of 66 to 70 BC, I'm sorry, uh, AD, which ended with the destruction of the Second Temple. So this is the first time someone claimed to be the actual Messiah since Jesus left the earth. And so these are the type of people that Jesus is warning them against. But the Jews, they were so susceptible. It was the first time that the Jews had presented a united front against the Romans. They had some early success in the wars, but here they were, and they were starting to get suffer defeats. And so this guy come out there, and he led the armies. He was successful, and they saw him as a political messiah rather than the spiritual messiah. Don't forget, Israel, it never dawned on them that Jesus came to set them free, all right, but it was free from their sin, not from the five-cent-realm oppression by the Romans. And so this guy was successful. He had some successes militarily, and for that, they thought he was the Messiah. But obviously, that was not to be. Yes, it was easy for the Jews to follow a man that would deliver them from the oppression of the Romans. It is this spiritual climate into which the Antichrist, the false Messiah, is going to make his entrance in the near future. The carrot that he will dangle will not be freedom from the Romans or anybody else, but peace. In keeping with the prophetic word, rebellious Israel is still looking for a five-cent realm deliverer. They have continued to reject their spiritual sin-freeing Messiah, Jesus, and will once more fall prey to a counterfeit promoted by the Antichrist spirit. Briefly, Daniel 9.27 mentions that. And this Antichrist, he will enter into a binding irrevocable covenant with the many the Jews, for one week, seven years. But in the middle of the week, he will stop the sacrifice, the Jewish sacrifices and the grain offerings for the remaining three and one half years. And on the wing of abominations will come one who makes desolate, who destroys even until the complete destruction. One that is decreed is poured out on the one who causes the horror. So with this covenant that is signed midweek early on in the tribulation, Israel will embrace the Antichrist as a political messiah if not the literal Messiah. And so the 70th week of Daniel focuses future attention on the nation of Israel and the fate of the Jews as God allows his chosen people once more to experience a last refining fire which results in a remnant of the nation Israel who place faith in the Messiah. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 6, And not only will you have to be aware of those who claim to come in my name, the Lord says, verse 6, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled, for all of these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So, in addition to having a false Messiah running around, making his claim every 15 years, actually it's every five years or so, we've got now rumors of wars and actual wars. Now, this is very interesting. We live in a culture where information travels at the speed of sound. The internet, TVs, phones, and cameras all contribute to the immediate dissemination of information just about the entire world. And this has only been true for, what, maybe the last hundred years or so. Jesus knew of this rapid transmittal of information. Now, in Christ's day, if you didn't live in Rome, you might not have heard about any wars that the Romans were engaging in unless you were one of the victims 
So look at maybe, remember the seven churches there over in uh, Turkey, they're over in Asia. And so how long do you think it would take for people to find out news about what's going on? Well, so what Jesus is saying, you shall hear of wars and rumors of war. The speed of news traveling back then is nothing compared to what's going on today. So basically, in this time frame, we will hear. We will hear instantaneously about wars. We will hear instantaneously about regional conflicts. We will know what's going on. And Jesus is telling you that's part of the end time which is approaching. And so Rome didn't necessarily know what was happening in Turkey for a few weeks, and it took Asia perhaps months to get news from Rome. But today, we know about every war and every rumor uh, in a matter of minutes. Don't let this news strike fear in your heart, Jesus says. Why? Because the end has not yet come. Notice, the wars and the rumors of the wars do not signify the end. Do you get that? I know we talk about it all the time. But no, no, verse 6, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. Don't be troubled or stop continuing in your fear. Why? Because the end is not yet. It's so important that we follow that. We must get our doctrines correct. Now, we've had wars and rumors of wars for 100 years. Matter of fact, we had two great world wars, and that's part of what this is talking about. And we have also had regional conflicts. I mean, nations in Africa and in the Middle East, they're constantly at war. And so we want to make sure that we do not fear that, that that is not a sign that the end is here. That is a sign that the end is near. There's a difference between the two of them. And so it's important that we follow the teachings of Jesus concerning this. Now, there are signs that do tell us that we are in the last days, and lawlessness is one of them. We'll pick up on that also. But we've got to understand what Jesus is talking about. He wants the Jews to understand. And by the way, the people that Jesus is talking to, he's not just talking to Jews. He's not just talking to Jewish disciples, but he is talking to the foundational leaders of the church So we could take this message in Matthew 24, we could say Jesus is speaking to us too. Now, what I find interesting about this, as I'm doing this study, I am looking for when Jesus brings us into the tribulation. And by that, I mean that these verses are in order. Verses 1 through 14, Matthew 24, verses 1 through 14, they go together. They are in order, and things happen one after another, after another, after another. So we've got the wars and the rumors of war. Okay, we've got that. And then let's, let me see if I get to verse seven. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, there shall be pestilences, and there shall be earthquakes in many places. So look, Jesus telling us we've got wars and rumors of wars. That means the end is near, but it's not here. And then we've got nation rising against nation. Okay, those are world wars. Okay, there's been two of them. And we've got kingdom rising against kingdom. Those are regional conflicts. And then we've also got famines and pestilences and earthquakes in many places. So Jesus in verse 7, he's reiterating verse 6. He confirms it and identifies what kind of war and the rumors of war are going to take place. To understand, uh, who wrote this? Uh, I think the guy's name is Arnold Fruchtenbaum. To understand what this idiom, nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom means, it is necessary to return to the Jewish origin of these statements. This expression is a Hebrew idiom for a world war. 
Jesus' statement here is that when a world war occurs, rather than merely a local war, that world war would signal that the end of the age has begun. The sign that the end of the age has begun is the worldwide conflict fulfilled by World War One and World War Two. Now, there's divergent points of view on this. Some hold that this also could be translated as regional conflicts rather than world wars. For me, I can accept both as being right. Jesus is saying the earth will be inundated by men warring with one another. That's pretty simple. That's what he's saying. There will be warring on a smaller scale where we have smaller groups at war within Africa, like I mentioned that before, even in the Middle East. You know, the United States... We had a what you would call a regional conflict. We had the Civil War, and that was a war within a nation, and it was one of the signs that the end is getting near. The point is taken. Man will be unruly, he will be self-absorbed, and he will have no restraint. There are three more telling occurrences that the end is near. What? Famines, pestilences, and earthquakes. And let's see, how much more time do I have here? Let me see. I got a couple of minutes. I think I can get into this. Okay. So uh, let's go to Revelation chapter 6 to see if we can learn anything about these three occurrences. Don't forget, in verse 7, Jesus says, in addition to the wars, there's going to be famines, there's going to be pestilences, and there's going to be earthquakes. And if you go to Revelation chapter 6 to see if we can learn anything about the famines, the pestilences, and the earthquakes. Revelation chapter 6, and I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals. Now, we're about to open the seven seals here. And when the Lamb opened the seals, I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder. One of the four beasts was saying, come and see. Verse 2, and I saw, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him, and he went forth, both conquering and to conquer. So that's the entrance of the Antichrist onto the scene. Here, he is the rider on the white horse. Verse 3, and when he had opened the second seal, when Jesus had opened the second seal, I heard the second beast say, come and see. Verse 4, and there went out another horse that was red, and power was given to him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth. So that talks about wars, right? When peace is gone, there will be war. They kill one another. And there was given unto him a great sword. So there is a fulfillment of Jesus' words in Matthew 24, 6, when he says there would be wars and rumors of war. Verse 5, and when he had opened the third seal, I heard the third beast say, Come and see, and I beheld, and lo, a black horse, and he that sat on him had a pair of balances in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four beasts say, A measure of wheat for a penny, and three measures of barley for a penny, and see thou hurt not the oil and the wine. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, Come and see, and I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and his name that sat on him was Death. And hell followed him. And power was given over them over the fourth part of the earth to kill with the sword and with hunger. There's the famine and with death and with the beasts of the earth. There's the pestilence. So what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 24 verses 6 and 7, we see also spoken about and prophesied when Jesus is open, the seven seals found in Revelation chapter 6. We're going to investigate that more when we get back into it, but I'm trying to make a case to show you where we are as Jesus is speaking. Remember, we started out in the beginning. He's sitting there talking to the disciples, and they're asking him when he's coming back. They're asking him what will be the signs of your coming back, and so he's explaining to them some of the stuff. 
and we know that the rapture of the church takes place before he comes back, and we know that the tribulation takes place before he comes back, and so I want to connect the two of them so that you can see how the Bible always confirms itself. Scripture confirms Scripture. And so he's pointing this out to us, and it's important that we delve into it, because my opinion here now, Jesus is taking us into the beginning of the tribulation period. The church is gone. Don't forget, he doesn't tell these guys about the rapture of the church. He doesn't tell them about the church. They have no idea what the church is. They don't even know that there are the church yet. But he does tell them about the signs that are coming. And now we're in the tribulation, and I'm making the connection for you that Jesus is actually talking about the tribulation. So hallelujah. So how much time do I have left? Oh, wow. Good thing I asked. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So let me pray. Father, I pray that you give my brothers and sisters understanding about this, this interesting chapter. I hope that you help me to speak clearly, Father God. And I thank you so much, Father God, that their eyes will be open for your wisdom. They love you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.